Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. Today we're going to really be talking with Kirk Cortell and he's a generational wealth creator. He's got a fantastic story and we're going to talk about growing assets, stewardship, and creating a legacy. So I'm really excited to have guests such as Kirk and then uh, happy to have him on the show. So Kirk, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, kind of tell people your story and your background, how you get started and we'll get it right into it. Great. Um, well, my story's, uh, I'm 35 in this journey on money, uh, legacy wealth building, navigating the language of money started about 10 years ago in my mid twenties. I didn't have a hyper focus on money. And then right about that time I was looking to get married and start a family. I said, you know what? It, I got to figure this money stuff out because it's crushing families. Um, and so it wasn't like super driven, but I just knew my, I was going to be marrying my wife pretty soon. And I said, okay, we can, we'll have problems like everybody, but what, how do I start to think about money? I didn't have that great of examples growing up. My parents didn't, uh, set me aside and train me in money and how to understand finance. And really what I've learned is finance is a language. And if you don't understand the language of finance, uh, you will get left behind and you will leave um, not just money on the table, but you got to think about what that money would be doing for your children, your children's children, your family, all because you didn't know the language of finance. And I'll just kind of leave it here. Like it's not that hard. There's a few fundamental things you can uh, learn apply and it'll ultimately skyrocket your family, your community. I don't believe in, in making things convoluted or having a, uh, a legalese speak or, you know, living in this, uh, you know, complex world. It actually gets pretty simple. And, and once you can kind of just have somebody show you, teach you options, you have, uh, life changes whether you're growing companies, selling companies, high income practice, if you're in the, in the medical world or any world. Um, and so these things I unlocked, I was just able to start to help the people that I had been working with. And uh, I can't express how much gratitude I get from helping people unlock things that they, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, I didn't think my retirement would look like this. I would have probably, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So that's what I do. I'm an edge. I'm a motivator, 
just helping people unlock um, things that they didn't know were available. So I hope that helps give context to who I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm always in the field for um, cutting edge ideas. So talk about um, what's interesting is this idea of stewardship is superior to ownership. What, what is What does that mean? Yeah, it's a very easy to say. And you may hear a lot of people you know, say, you know, things like, you know, a lot of times they'll talk about uh, the Rockefeller families or the big families or the wealthy or, you know, and how they own things. I'm sorry, they control things, but they don't own it. And what does that mean? And if people are talking about trusts and how to use trusts and, you know, what is title and, but the reality is in our world, taxes follow title. So if you own things, um, good job. But if you sell those things, you know, you have a silent partner and they want to take a cut. Um, if you have liability issues and it's yours, you have a cut. You know, you have to say, I own that. I'm responsible. So, so the idea is, is if you can actually control something and not necessarily own it, you can actually put yourself and your family in a very protected position long term for growth, asset protection, and ultimately legacy transfer. And what's interesting is I'm a believer as a Christian, and the Bible teaches that you want to leave, leave a legacy to your children's children, or an inheritance, the Bible calls it. And then it also says in Scripture, because it's a, it's a very big book, right? We're not just build up treasures on earth, but in heaven. So when I was figuring this out and kind of going against like, well, am I supposed to build wealth or am I not supposed to, am I supposed to give to my kids or, I mean, what is it? Do I just give my kids the, the faith and that's it and let them kind of be paupers. And so what I started to realize is stewardship to me, if you don't mind me, if I could share what it means to me is this, I am going to amass large amounts of wealth while I'm here. And I'm going to teach everybody, my friends, my church friends, my family, how to do it. But I don't want it. I don't want to have the burden of it's mine. I want to have that pile of whatever I'm entrusted with for the sake of my kids' kids. Not for me. Now, look, there are benefits to stewarding and growing and helping and philanthropy, yes. But I encourage listeners and yourself to start to see the pile of money as it's not yours. It's actually for your kids' kids. So let's fast forward, hopefully, Lord willing, 50 years. I get hit by a meteorite and I'm out of here. I'm gone. I graduate and I get to go to heaven. My children will inherit what dad left. And then the hopes is my children were taught. I don't want it. I want to give it to my kids' kids. So my kids look at it. You know what? Although I'm controlling this, I don't own it. I'm building this up for my kids' kids. And I'll leave you guys and the listeners with an extremely good book called Thou Shall Prosper. And it's written by a rabbi. It's about a 12-hour audible. And you could listen to it twice. And if you do listen to it, listen to it twice. If you read it, you'll probably do good if you take notes. But the premise is, is that the Jewish families train their children in finance at high levels. They train their children 
in many levels, not just finance, they eliminate the idea of adolescence and making excuses for their children. You know, at 12 years old, the bar mitzvah, it's really a, their children becoming men. So when we can elevate our position of so-called ownership to stewardship, what it does for us is we don't want to own it. So we got to start training the kids. Kids, this is how we exist. These are assets that we manage. And this is how we control things without owning them. So I hope that wasn't too long-winded but uh, and a lot to unpack there. But that's the concept. There's there's massive financial benefits to stewardship versus ownership. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. And um, yeah, you made a really good reference to, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues, friends are Jewish and they've always been good with money and talk about this idea of um, creating family legacy and thinking long-term with the family foundation. Right. So a foundation, uh, there's many forms of charities. The ones that I specifically work in the realm of are um, just a 501c3. We applied to the IRS. Um, they send us a determination letter and it says, congratulations, you're federally income tax exempt. And so you now have an entity and you get a bank account and you, there's two trustees and a founder. And now we have this entity. And so what I try to encourage people to do is stop looking at your life in just one facet. And a lot of people in business, in, in um, self-help and getting better, realize that there's a side to them that they absolutely adore. And then there's a side to them that they may want to improve. You know, it's like, man, I, I need to get better at eating. I need to work out harder. I need to date my spouse more. I need to be more patient with my children. But then you say, you know what? I'm a great friend uh, to Chris. And so these, these things we like and don't like. And so what I try to do, and that's and the Bible refers to that as the old man and the new man. You know, before you came to faith, you had wicked ways. And once you come to faith, you become a new creature. And so once you turn the switch of stewardship, you start to say, okay, I have my personal estate, things that I control, me, my title. And then I have the foundation or the charitable estate. And so we start building up two entities, or we have two enterprises that we're focusing on, our practice, our marketing agency, our real estate portfolio, and then we have our charitable estate. The charitable estate can also have assets. It can have real estate. It can have stocks. It can have bonds. It can have cash. It can have life insurance policies. So a lot of times I don't really have to, and this is the blessing of my business, I generally don't have to help my clients become successful. They're already successful. They're doing good in their practices. They're doing good in their, um, wherever their field is. And so when they set up the foundation, they say, well, what are some things that you have in the foundation or that you see, you know, most commonly people put in the foundation? 
And one of the things I show them is how to use life insurance. And this is where I cut my teeth initially, learning title, learning private contracts, learning, you know, working with 150-year-old insurance companies. So we talk about using the foundation for legacy transfer, but if you couple or dovetail a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy in that in that um, foundation, it's insane the legacy that you can leave for your children. And so, what a lot of times we um, teach and show is, you know, you're going to be in your for-profit world for a long time. And maybe until you die, I plan on working until the day I die, but maybe there's a day where you're like, you know what, I'm going to sell my cabinet company. I'm going to sell business X. One of the things you can do is you can actually donate your pro rata shares of your company to the foundation and you get a donation receipt for donating to charity against your personal on your 1040 taxes. But when that business sells, the foundation receives all of the revenue and it's an income tax exempt place. Now I'm not a CPA headline test for everybody listening. This takes, you know, buy sells and, um, you know, CPAs to get involved, but it's not rocket science. It's donating. And so if I sell a business, good job, but there's usually a hefty, hefty bill at the associated with that. But if you donate your business and then sell it, all the proceeds go to the charity. And what you may say is great. I don't need any of that. I'm okay. And then what you can do is actually work for your foundation full time and you can sign an employment contract. And so you, you look at your spouse and say, you know what, honey, for the next 10 years, we're going to hunker down and go and help and serve in our field of X, Y, or Z. So you can actually draw a salary. There's fringe benefits for being employed. So you can get fringe benefits like healthcare and other things like an employee package, right? Um, and so now we just have options, Chris. And most people don't have options and they don't know. They're not uh, sure of what they can do and what they can't do. So we just educate. We don't tell people, you know, this is how you have to do it. There's a lot of flexibility built. You couple the life insurance with the sale of assets, you'll be able to leave generational wealth once the death benefits pay out. And uh, it's just a beautiful system. So hopefully I answered your question. Yeah. So the, ne the next question is um, talking about, because I love how you're describing this because, um, you know, finances and, and, uh, and money is only good for this world, you know, but there's the afterlife, there's a spiritual world. And a popular quote is, um, you can't take it with you, you know, when you die. So, and I love this idea of growing assets, using a family foundation, uh, giving away money to create more. So how does, what is a family foundation? How does one start it? You know, how does charity kind of talk about that? Yeah. So we keep it on the very simple side. I fight for simple, hard to achieve, but I fight for simple. So in our world, somebody knocks on our door, we sit down and have a small conversation. We see if it's now is the time or if maybe it's on the exit. Maybe it's once you graduate uh, and become make, you know, start making two, $300,000 a year. Um, I just had a call with a friend who's in dental school and he's like, hey man, I heard 
you've really helped families. And I said, absolutely. I said, and so for people who don't know this, it's just not for the exit of assets or businesses. Every year you take income, or if you're a uh, entrepreneur and you take your distributions, the IRS says that you can donate 30% of your income to charity to reduce your taxes. So let's say you and your spouse are making a hundred grand a piece and your taxable income after all your deductions is $200,000 what you have to pay on. Mm-hmm. The IRS says, well, if you guys want to donate to charity, you can reduce that by 30%. So if you and your spouse look at each other and say, hey, let's send $60,000 to the family's foundation. Now we're only going to pay taxes on one forty. Now, obviously, this is 2023. Things can change, but generally, that's a pretty hard number. So that being said, that is a strategy while you're alive right now. And so like sometimes the conversation is, is it the exit? Is it currently with our business? Is it um, with like our high income W-2? What's the play? And so a lot of times it's, are we a good fit? Is now the time? And if that's the case, my team and I, we're done fully set up in about 10 to 12 days. And then from there, your IRS letter comes. And what we're seeing right now is about six to 10 weeks. Open up a bank account and uh, you're good to go. But just for somebody listening, I don't know when the podcast will drop. Your donation has to be made in the calendar year. So right now it's 2023. You would need to be structured, set up by December, the end of the year. Donations would have to have been made, and then you can carry that on to your personal. So I hope that, hope that answered your question. Yeah. And the other question is um, talking about, um, you know, you talked about kind of the benefits of life insurance policy, but why would you create a life insurance policy inside a family foundation? Yeah, well, um, back to the original language, right? If people knew, the average Joe knew the power of dividend-paying whole life insurance, just bore not an IUL, not a variable, just a boring dividend-paying whole life insurance, people would be blown away. And so what's cool is it's one of the only places that you can compound the money and use it at the same time. Very, very few places actually allow that. And through technology, platforms, people are starting to see the power of insurance premiums. And people are building up their private banking systems. It used to be kind of a uh, a strategy for only wealthy families. With the advent of the 401k, everybody kind of got, I don't want to say coerced, but they got marketed the 401k heavy. They've went through some downturns. And now people are like, maybe I don't want risk. And a life insurance policy is not an investment. There's no principal risk like a mutual fund or a lending money on real estate or anything. So it's just a stable asset and it guarantees millions of dollars to show up for the foundation once you die. So there's one, there's two reasons I like it. One, there's no risk. Now, two, it just grows at a nominal four to six percent, you know, nothing crazy, but that's tax free. So what would you have to make out into the world in order to get a return after taxes at four to six percent? You know, it's an interesting world right now. I mean, the markets are changing, liquidity's drying up, rates are are higher than 
pretty much Paul Volcker raised him in the 80s. Nominally, if you look going from almost nothing to eight, it's a lot higher than actual Volcker did, but that's a whole different conversation. So stability, and then the idea that you can borrow from that in the retirement phase of your foundation efforts and quote unquote, you know, spend it down. And then when you pass, it replenishes. So if your spouse is left behind, she inherits millions of foundation dollars that she controls. And then when she passes, hopefully it replenishes the foundation and now the kids step in. And it's just a beautiful program. And that's why banks own more life insurance than almost anything. Uh, wealthy families, you know, understand it for financing. And that's really, you know, why I like it myself and why we kind of say, hey, this is one asset you may want to look at. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, um, you know, I wish we could have um, a longer conversation, but it sounds like the private family foundation and then basically life insurance, real estate and kind of you minimize your tax obligation liability and you use more of that money to help others. You can make investments and pass down generational wealth, uh, which, which, which is really interesting. Um, how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, check out your work, et cetera? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. It sounds like you, you, you wrapped it up. That's why we use them for our, for our kids, for our kids' kids. And then we also are, look out into our community. And it, what's interesting, what I'm learning is, is so many people are focused on surviving. And this is the sad state of cheap money. It's the sad state of uh, private equity coming and gutting, co- gutting companies, getting rid of benefits. And look, I'm not a socialist by any stretch of the imagination, but I do get to hear stories of grandparents who had good pensions and were taken care of and raised families off one income. Those days are gone. I mean, obliterated. This is about getting every ounce of blood out of the turnip, crush the companies, sell them off in three to five years. So what, what I try to do, Chris, is just, I get it. It's a crazy world, but let's, let's look long-term because you're absolutely right. All of us are going to die. Every one of us. And we're going to sit there and we're going to wish we would have thought long-term and that we would have thought about our grandkids that were, were departing. And uh, so that's what I like to kind of bring people back. And it's sometimes it's morbid, but I think there's power in understanding death is coming. We don't have to fear it. We can take care of our families and our spouses and our communities. <laughs> so um, like on the screen, if, or if you're listening, it's uh, charityone.com. That's our uh, company's website. That's where you fill out a little form, go through the process. We'll figure out where you're from, and then we'll reach out to you. Uh, we don't yeah. work with everybody. Um, you know, I'm not saying we, we won't at least talk to you, but you got to qualify for this. You got to have a good conversation and be serious about what you're doing. Um, I'm also on, um, Facebook. You can go to, uh, I believe it's our Facebook group is charity one. It's a private Facebook group. You can go there, um, or email me at Kirk B W at PM dot me. Uh, it's a simple, small email. Um, but yeah, that's how you can reach out to me or uh, reach out to you. And if guys come in and we, we ask everybody, how did you hear about us? Uh, I don't want to say compensate per se, 
but we like to know who's helping us. And then we like to, you know, work strategically with partners and, and kind of see who's, who's in the, in the world and who likes what we're doing. So. Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, let's thank Kirk for coming on to the show, talking about financial planning from, um, from a higher order perspective, more, um, and what the wealthy individuals do, all of his resources will be in the links in the show notes and, Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.